0: This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Well, how are you all doing? Are you having a great day so far? I said, are you having a great day so far? Yeah, it's great, isn't it? somebody, everyone who, who wants a long sermon or a short sermon today? What do you want? A long sermon. Fantastic. Your wish is my command. Turn to me, if you would, for the next two hours then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone wants success, don't they? Don't they think about it? Everyone wants success. Success, according to the Oxford Dictionary, is the good outcome of an undertaking. That's what success is. And sometimes, when we look at people's lives and we watch stuff on Facebook, sometimes we can get kind of we can think that celebrity and fame and everything else like that. But sex, success for some people is growing great tomatoes. And success for some of you might be that, yeah. Ah, great. Is this going out live? Yeah. Everyone wants success. Everyone wants a happy life, don't they? Happy wife, guys. Happy life. Everyone wants companionship and success in companionship. The good outcome of a companionship undertaking. We want good health, don't we? Yes. I certainly do. Yeah. Irwin is seventy today. Well done, Irwin. Yeah. You made it, girl. There's bets on me over whether I actually make it to seventy. <laughs> A good job, family, healthy children. Some of you want to write books, and some of you want to do. All of us want success, but you know the source of our success is freedom. The dictionary also tells us that the, uh, the definition of freedom is the quality or state of being free, the absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice or action. Let's think about that for a moment. You see, success in our decisions and our choices relies on us, on, relies on us making good choices, doesn't it? So what's the absence of the constraint? What's the freedom that's required to make good choices? I'll tell you what it is quite simply, the absence of bad choices. Maybe the intelligence or the insight to be able to see what's ahead so that we can make good choices. What constrains us? Success in having a baby is about having good genes and having good bodily health. The absence of infertility, isn't it? freedom for some of us to be able to be blessed with the wonderful gift of having children and success in writing a book is being able to write well being able to find a publisher success is founded in freedom but how do we find freedom i'll tell you how we find freedom the bible squeaks speaks quite wow what's going on this morning is there some holy water around here for me to drink the bible speaks specifically about truth as being the freedom that we can get John 8 verse 32 says and you can say it with me if you want you will know the truth and the truth will set you free so today we're starting a new series called Thrive thrive have a look at that fantastic picture that's there how many of you would like to go there I would I'd really like to go there that is the little village there's only 200 people that live in that wonderful little village called Huacachina. I think that's how you pronounce it but it's the beautiful small village that's built in the middle of the Peruvian desert around what Around an oasis around a source of water. And look at that picture. Look at the plant life. Look at the flourishness. Look at things thrive, because there are certain ingredients that are creating growth and prosperity there. Any of you want to guess what that one primary component that we need? water is one of the primary ones that we need hence why scientists are looking for life everywhere else and they've not found it yet in our galaxy we can all make all kinds of choices and probabilities and stuff about it but we haven't found life anywhere else yet that we know of so we'll be looking as we look at this area of thrive we'll be looking at what a thriving life is like for us what are the components that are required for us to thrive like those plants thrive what nutrients do we need as Christians and as believers in order to grow in God we'll be looking at several key verses and texts from the bible over the next couple of weeks but the foundation or the root for us for this whole series is going to come from John chapter 10 verse 10 and one of my favorite verses which says this the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full can I read that again John 10 verse 10 says that the thief comes to kill and destroy but Jesus says I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Will you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you came. We thank you that the, you came to earth in the form of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you came, that you lived and that you died. And we thank you for that one Fantastic declaration amongst many that you made while you were here on earth, which is that although the enemy has come to kill and destroy, we can have life and have it to the full in you. So, as we look at this area of becoming thriving believers, Lord, will you help us as we open your word today to understand more clearly some of the components that we need in order that we can have success? in order that we can find freedom and in order that we can grow i ask you in jesus name amen. amen a couple of hunters that were in canada went and chartered a plane to take them up into the rockies to go moose hunting two weeks later the pilot came back to pick them up and there they were with their guns and their ammunition and everything in proper north american style they were there with two moose that they had shot to go back to town with the pilot landed and looked (coughs) at the size of the moose and the luggage and all the equipment that they had and he turned with the plane that he had and turned to the guys and says look I'm sorry you're going to have to leave one of the moose behind because there's no way they will all get in that plane and we can take off well we did it last time said one of the guys and protested, we did it last year in the plane exactly like this, the pilot let us do it, and so the pilot responded and said, well okay, if you did it last time, I guess same plane, we can do it again. The two moose, the two hunters were loaded into the plane and the plane took off. But because of the heavy weight, it rolls with difficulty when unable to clear uh, obstruction some way uh, across the valley and the plane crashed. The plane crashed and the men climbed up, climbed out and looked around and one hunter said to the other, where are we right now? And his companion surveyed the scene and looked around. He says, well, I actually think we're about a mile and a half further than where we took off last year <laughs> it's one thing to have the truth it's another thing to do something with it and what we do as human beings is we survey the scene we make decisions and choices based on the truth of the conclusions that we come to about the world around us You see, truth is a fundamentally important part of our lives as human beings. And truth has never been threatened in such a way as it is right now in our time as we find it today. In fact, we've come up with this new phrase that some of you have seen coming on the news and coming on social media now that we're just calling fake news. Well, the last time I checked, what is fake news? Fake news lies it's not the truth so why do we invent new names for stuff that's observed there's either news or lies isn't it or am i just being daft and the threat to the truth in the past has actually come from untruth and has come from lies there is a difference between untruth and lies you know in a court if you're uh, in a court and, and tried in England and Wales under the law of our lands here the oath that you will take is you will be asked to take an oath and it will be that you will swear to say the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth you see the truth is not lying but the whole truth is actually giving a fuller account of what happened you know at a county fair a distinctively, a distinctively dressed Quaker one day offered a f- horse for sale and a non-Quaker farmer came along and asked his price and since Quakers had a good reputation for honesty and fair dealing he bought the horse right there did the farmer without hesitation. The farmer got the horse home tied it up uh, to the plough and got going and discovered this was the laziest ill-tempered horse he had ever purchased. So he goes back to the fair the next week and confronted this Quaker and says, Why did you sell me a lazy horse? And he said to him, did the Quaker, Thou hast no complaint against me. Had thou asked me about the horse, I would have truthfully conveyed the problems. But thou didst not ask. Okay, said the farmer. I don't want you to take the horse back. All I want to do is sell him to someone else. Can I please borrow your hat and coat? (laughs) (laughs) You see, the greatest threat to our truth is the absence of real truth and absolute truth as much as it is about lies. The greatest threat to truth that that we know of today is this huge and growing threat of relativism where there is no absolute truth anymore. So can I ask a question of you here uh, today in the congregation? Can I just ask you in a show of hands, how many of you believe that there is absolute truth and how many believe in relativism, which is there's the truth that might be right for someone else, the truth that's right for you, etc. Just interested, to have a show of hands, and then I'll give you some statistics. So those of you that believe that there's absolute truth, and I'm putting my hand up, will you just raise? Interesting. Okay. Put your hands down. Those of you that don't believe there's absolute truth. It, okay. Interesting. And those of you that just don't know, and you don't know which way to put your hands. Okay. In a Western world today, so we're talking about Europe, America, Western culture, did you know that only 23% of Westerners now believe in the concept of absolute truth? That something is either black or white, there are no shades of grey. Something is either on or off, that there is clear distinctions between what is and what isn't. You were either doing 70 miles per hour or you weren't. And increasingly, can you believe it, only 72% of Christians in Western culture believe that absolute truth actually exists. Truth is under threat. And yet the greatest man that ever walked the face of this earth said, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And if you know the truth, it will bring you freedom and it will bring you success. So if you want all of those things in your life, he says, I have come that you might have life, have it to the full. Engage in truth, because you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So the question I want to ask is, does absolute truth exist? Before we cut into God's word and a couple of passages of scripture, I really want to kind of say some things on this subject, in order that we can understand this whole subject of relativism and Absolute or universal truth. You see, we must begin by defining what truth is in the first place. Agreed? Truth, according to the dictionary, is conformity to fact or actuality. A statement proven to be accepted as true. Now, some people say that there is no true reality. Only perceptions and opinions. Others argue that there must be Absolute reality or truth, and I am of the conviction, and I'm one of those. So, what that means for us right here and now is this: Are you really sat here in 90 Wine Street, Ammanford, listening to this message? If you're listening online, I forgive you. Clearly, you're not. But if you're here in this building this morning, are you actually here, sat in 90 Wine Street, Ammanford, listening to me speak? Or is it just our perception that we are? Are we like philosopher Gilbert Harman, who proposed that we might just be philosophically brains in jars? And that we are perceiving things right now, as we are sat in labs in jars, perceiving that this is our reality? Or is this actually reality itself? Do you get me? complicated concept. In fact, I wonder sometimes, when I am dreaming, is that my reality? And when I'm here, is this actually my dream? Madness, isn't it? So we must come to certain conclusions in order to be rational and not go crazy about the subject of truth. So some people, what they do, is they just push it off and say, well, it doesn't really matter. And I'm going to make the case for you that if you want a thriving life, that we must do as Jesus commands, which is to seek truth, live truth, have truth, own truth. And I want to tell you that the foundation stone of a thriving life is to be rooted in truth. Because you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It does set you free. That's a law, it's a principle, it's not talking about faith. Your wife might be having an affair right now, guys. She might be. And knowing the truth about the situation might not be the news you want to hear. But I tell you what, you'll be set free from the knowledge when you know it. At least you now know the truth. And that's the principle that Jesus is talking about. When he's saying we'll know the truth and it sets us free, it's because we have a real concept and an understanding about the reality of where we are. So these two views about truth, I'm halfway through, okay, and I'm going to just jump into scripture, but it's really important that we have this foundation. The two views on absolute truth, uh, on truth, sorry, are this view that it's absolute, and it's black and white, it's yes and no, it's off or on, and this other view which is I don't really know what's good for you is good for you what's good for me is good for me and we have a relativistic view on it one view says that there are no absolutes that divine, define reality and those who hold on to this view believe that everything is relative to something else and thus there can be no actual reality and because of that there are ultimately no moral absolutes no authority for deciding if an action is positive or negative if something is right or wrong or even on or off this view leads to what we call situational ethics the belief that what is right or wrong is relative to the situation is stealing right or wrong is violence right or wrong depends some people think it's okay to get that dodgy DVD off YouTube and rip it to our PC. It's wrong. It's wrong. But we edge it and we say, well, big corporate they're making loads of money. That's the world that we live in right now. Relativistic. Of course, if we adopt situational ethic, it leads to a subjective life, whatever feels good in terms of our mentality and lifestyle, which has a devastating enough effect on our society if we are going to continue going down this postmodern view that society has created, that now regards all values, all beliefs, all lifestyles and all truth claims as equally valid to each other. You believe that God comes in the form of a little green goblin that lives at the bottom of your garden? Well, I'm happy for you, is the response of the relativistic person in regards to truth. But the other view holds that there are indeed absolute realities and standards that define what truth is and what it's not therefore our actions can be determined either right or wrong how they how they measure up to the absolute standards the law of gravity for instance if it has no absolute well where do we go with that it either is or it isn't every uh, mass stays at rest or moves at a constant speed in a straight line unless acted on by a resultant force says newton that must hold weight to be true or not it's a law equally two and two is can't be six mike because it would not make sense if we don't add numbers up properly and it was the logic what kind of world are we going to get in i'll be really good that is my Barclaycard card statements arrives tomorrow and they tell me I owe five hundred quid from my Christmas shopping on it, and I'll turn them and send them a check for a fiver. And I say because of my relativistic view to arithmetic, I believe that your five hundred quid is actually my fiver. Do you think that'll get me far? you see the laws of science and physics would then become irrelevant commerce would become impossible what a mess we would get ourselves in if we don't have absolute but thank the lord two and two does make four amen <laughs> there is absolute truth and it can be found and understood and that's what jesus preached that's what the bible teaches and that's what i want us to fight and defend for today in order that we can thrive in life to make the statement that there is no absolute truth, I've just got to say, I just find it illogical. Yet today, countless thousands, are, and scientists and learned people are embracing this view, when I, and I don't get it. Whenever I come across a person who believes in a relativistic view, I only ever ask them three questions. I say, you don't believe in absolute truth then? And they will say, no. And I'll say, are you sure about that? And they will say, yes. And I'll say, are you absolutely sure about that? And they will say, yes. And I said, well, you can't agree with your own statement. Because you cannot be absolutely of the belief that absolutely everything is relativistic because that's an absolute statement in itself. You become mad. (laughs) And they just look at me daft. What they are saying is the very fact that there is no absolute truth is the one and only absolute truth. So besides this huge problem of self-contradiction, there's several other logical problems that must be overcome if we are to believe that there are no absolute or universal truths around us in our lives. One, first of all, could be a good case is that we're all human. Any of you seen an ant? I wonder when you're watching the aunt walk along the path in the garden. He's carrying that egg or whatever he's doing. I wonder in his little brain what he thinks of the world. I wonder if he actually looks up at me and wonders, what is that giant that is there? rare occasion for someone to think like that of me. But doubtless... The ants' puny brain doesn't understand anything about my life and the laws of the internal combustion engine that drove me here to church this morning. The laws of aerospace and dynamics that lift huge lumps of steel into the air. Do you think the ant can comprehend that? And equally for us as humanity, in the sight of all the knowledge that there is in the world, you know, what we don't know and don't understand far outweighs what we do know and do understand yeah that's humility what we don't know and don't understand about the world around us far outweighs what we do know and and do understand so when people say that there is no God or how can you prove this or that the best most accurate scientific statement that they come up would be would be to say with the limited knowledge that I have Philip, I am of the belief that there is no God. It's the only statement you can make accurately. Because we are human and we have limited (coughs) knowledge. And there's other problems that come with uh, all of these kind of subjects, but I haven't got time to go into them now, except to say that people who do not believe in absolute truth ignore all of these perfectly logical claims and what they do is they embrace this new world that we're in right now which is tolerant universalism that teaches that all religions are equal and all roads lead to heaven people like me who embrace the worldview vehemently oppose this uh, worldview Christians like me who believe that the Bible is true and believe the word of God when it says and when Jesus says these words I am the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father only through me john 14:6 people like me are arrogant and crazy i'm arrogant and crazy because i believe there's absolute truth and we must have a concept about absolute truth to come to the knowledge of the conclusions that we have about the world around us Tolerance, in fact, has become the one cardinal virtue. And I spoke on this subject six months ago tonight, the intolerance of tolerance. You can grab that on podcast if you want to. But it's become this one cardinal virtue of our postmodern society. The one absolute belief. And therefore, intolerance is now our evil. Any dogmatic belief, especially a belief in absolute truth, is viewed as intolerance, the ultimate sin. I am no longer an Airbnb customer. I logged on to Airbnb the other day and just logged on to go and and see what was going on. And it's got an inclusion statement that I will not do this, that, and the other. And I couldn't abide by the statement that it said based on how it was written. And a really interesting thing. Do you know what happened? I thought, "I'll, I'll disagree instead of agree on the T's and C's and see what was happening. Guess what happened? They closed my account. In the name of tolerance... Close my account, which means that Airbnb is happy to serve any other customer in its tolerant view, except it has no tolerance of people like me. Those who hold such beliefs on relative, uh, on absolute truth simply do not want to, sorry, those who hold such a belief in relativism do not want to be at their core held accountable for their actions in life. If there is absolute truth, then there are absolute standards of right and wrong. And we are accountable to those standards, are we not? You either did the crime or you didn't. This accountability is what people are really rejecting when they reject absolute truth. So to live a thriving life, and we can look at three areas straight away quickly and briefly uh, to finish this morning. We're going to look at three foundations for a thriving life that we need when we look at the roots of a thriving life which is to be rooted in truth to live a thriving life it must begin for the believer if we profess to be christians it must believe with the under it must start with a belief and an understanding that there is absolute truth I fully acknowledge that every person needs to work that out for themselves. I freely acknowledge that lots of us have different views and opinions even in this place about the bible and how we interpret parts of it. But we must agree that there are certain absolutes. In fact, that is a biblical view to work it out. And to come to your own conclusions philippians 2, 2 verse 12 says work out your own salvation live it out work it out suss it out come to your own conclusions and then practice what you preach that's what that verse says if you think that helping the poor is something that you should do live it out if you don't ignore them sad news this week isn't it about 147 children and young people in India that are not any longer gonna receive the forty-six million that gets poured into that country to inoculate children, to give them food, and to give them an education. And the work of compassion, you can see some of the brochures outside, and we support the work of compassion and sponsor so many children here. Sorry. <coughs> there's a little girl called Sabita that's on our fridge that we sponsor she lives in India and on the 15th of March the Hindu government closed the doors on Christian Aid they would sooner kill their children than to have them become Christian that's the truth if we think Church that helping the poor and those that are less fortunate than ours is something that we should do let's live it out shall we so turn with me to god's word to john chapter 8 verse 12 quickly we're behind time so I'm going to race through um, some of this and I'm reading a full passage of the scripture here in order for us to give the context so please can you follow with me and try and uh understand this there's this wrestle going on jesus has come and the teachers and of the law and the pharisees and the sadducees and everybody that's involved in the political and spiritual system of the day there really i've got massive deal with jesus and what he comes to say and do and we start at john 8 verse 12 where the writer john speaks and gives his account and says this again when jesus spoke again to the people he said i am the light of the world whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life the pharisees challenged him here you are appearing as your own witness your testimony is not valid jesus answered even if i testify on my own behalf my testimony is valid for i know where i came from and i know where i'm going but you have no idea where i came from or where i am going you judge by human standards i pass judgment on no one but i do judge my but if i do judge my decisions are right because i am not alone i stand with the father who sent me In your law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. And if I am one who testifies for myself, my other witness is the father who sent me. Then they asked him, where's your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because this time had not yet come. Once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away and you look for me and you will die in your sin where I go you cannot come this made the Jews ask will he kill himself is that why he says where you go I cannot come but he continued you are from below I am from above you are of this world I am not of this world I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be you will indeed die in your sins who are you they asked Just as I have been, just what I have been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable. And what I have heard from him, thank you, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, referring to his crucifixion, and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. To the Jews who had believed on him. Because he makes some huge statements there, doesn't he? Massive, massive statements. Does someone that you would look at him, you would either have to come to the conclusion, just like Peter did. Is this just a man? Just a prophet? Or is, is he really christ the messiah the son of the living god verse 31 to the jews who had believed in him jesus said if you hold to my teaching you are really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free you see Everyone says and quotes this verse so often, the last part of it, you will know the truth and the truth sets you free. But it starts with the word then. It is actually preceded with the anchor and the roots for the thriving life, which is belief. To the Jews who had believed in Jesus, he said, if you hold to my teaching, that means if you proclaim the truth if you hold to my teaching you are really my disciples or my followers then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free so the three things i want to talk about in closing if i can three quick points first of all we must acknowledge that the bible the word of god is our source of absolute truth we must acknowledge that the word of God that we have here today is the source of absolute truth. Now, I know lots of people can go on about uh, the translations and the interpretations for the, uh, the text that we have. And, you know, how it's all been translated and interpreted, interpreted from other languages. But in the whole of history and antiquity, there is no book that stands up to the scrutiny both in anthropology, history, interpretation, evidence, whichever way you want to look at it, there's more evidence for the reality and the truth that we can trust in in God's Word than any other book on earth. I'm just not saying that. It's the scientists and the anthropologists and everybody else that that says that. If you want to get a really good book, Amy Orr Ewing's book, Why Trust the Bible?, and she looks at the 10 facts of how we can absolutely rely on the account of scriptures and the canon that we have today to be true if you're not a book reading type of person then grab prevent, uh, professor monty white's dvd can we trust the bible another great dvd on the sources that we have because it starts here church to build a thriving life it starts here with actually understanding god's word and saying am i going to believe this for myself or am i going to approach it in one of two ways that certain christians do with it today you see i've got the niv version bible some of you have got the kgv version bible some of you got the message bible but increasingly some people have the tipex bible <laughs> Tippex, you remember it some of you younger ones don't in the days of typewriters you would use correction fluid to get rid of mistakes and wipe things out and some people when they read the bible when they read its views on certain things when they read its views on same sex marriage and on homosexuality and certain things that are written on here we either accept what the bible says about it or we don't we are not afforded the luxury to be able to go well i don't like that piece i'll tip it out because how much tipex do we owe, folks? Should we use it on every page? Should we use it on every page and every word, and then we're left with nothing? We either accept it or we don't. Unpalatable as some of it might be. Unpalatable as loving my enemy is to me sometimes. When I just want to throw the garden clippings back over the fence with my neighbor that used to do that to me. It's unpalatable. I would just clear up the clippings and put them away because i believe in this all of those things that affect the way we live our christians lives we believe it or we don't we cannot have a tipex bible equally we cannot have a comic book bible you see the comic book bible Adds in a little bit of creativity. I used to love the comics. Remember them, Marvel and all of those, and all those comics? And what they would do, it would add flavor to make the reading easier, wouldn't it? Kapow. Thwack. Do you remember? You'd read it, and there was all these little illustrations. And some people find the Bible boring. So they add bits into the text that aren't even there. There's some stuff you can read on the internet of the interpretations of some different things. So, for example, my personal view, I am a uh, seven-day creationist person. And the reason I'm a seven-day creationist person is that the Bible says so. Now, I know that a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years one day, but nobody can answer me what I call the verse 13s that are in Genesis 1. At the end of every day, God turns around and says what? There was evening and there was morning and there was the first day. So even when planets didn't exist, even when the sun and moon didn't exist, he's giving us that understanding of the concept of time. Well, how can that be then? Because our world is billions of years old. Because he's the God of miracles. You know, when he created Adam, think about it, in the sixth day, he creates Adam. How old do you think Adam was? Because if he'd been born as a baby, we have babies here in church, if he had been born as a true one-day-old baby or created as a one-day-old baby, he would not have survived, agreed? He would have starved to death and died there right now. So he couldn't have been one. Would you agree logically? When God made Adam, well, what age was Adam when he made him then? I don't know what that is, but I know it wasn't one, because it's not logical based on the laws of creation that we know around us. So he could have been 10, he could have been 15, he could have been whatever, whatever age he was that he could have survived. The question is this. On day 7, on the Sabbath, when you met Adam, you would meet Adam and he would actually be how old? 24 hours old, wouldn't he? But would he look like that? Would he look 24 hours old? No. There are several illnesses today. Like, you know, that there was an uh, uh, illness at the moment where a teenager looking like a 70-year-old. Sem- Did you see it? So based on the evidence, you know, there's stuff that happens and we can't explain it. I can't explain it, but I've got to believe in absolute truth in the interpretation of Scripture for me. So just think about this stuff. Yeah? I'm trying to just provoke thought today more than anything else so that we can come to conclusions about our faith. We must quote it correctly as well when we are reading Scripture Jonah was not swallowed by a whale bible says that he was swallowed by a big fish let's not do any capows or try and make it look creative adam and eve didn't eat an apple they ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil we've made it into some kind of apple so we must quote it and use it correctly so first of all we must acknowledge the bible as truth secondly we must seek sorry firstly we must seek truth and acknowledge the Bible as truth secondly we must interpret it correctly and thirdly we must acknowledge in our Canon of Scripture that Jesus was who God set him up to be and that's the fundamental (coughs) bit that differentiates Christianity from every other world belief system you see every other world belief system is about us trying to attain things it's about man trying to reach God we have to do this we have to pray three times a day we have to do all of these things to attain our salvation and our eternity but thank God for Jesus who came there's no way we could achieve the standard so God sent Jesus it's not about do Christianity is about done Every other world relation is about, is about do. This is about done. So can I just finish by encouraging each and everyone? Talk about the subject, see us as leaders, have conversations. Can we be people that thrive? And can we to live a thriving life, pursue truth and proclaim truth? Because I promise you this, I promise you this, in the words of Jesus himself, the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy but he has come that you and i might have life and have it to the full you will know the truth and the truth will set you free amen this message was brought to you by abc church for more information please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on facebook or twitter you can also contact us by phone on 01269